0: Hello everyone, you are listening to Shout for Libraries on CJSR in Edmonton. Belinda Ongaro here, recording on my phone from the floor of my bedroom instead of the CJSR recording booth because it's 2021 and things are still super weird. For those of you who haven't tuned in to Shout before, every month we pick a topic relevant to librarianship and information studies. With the increased prevalence of digital technology in our lives, especially given the current restrictions, we decided, what better time to talk about digital literacy? So today we'll be chatting with some of the fabulous people on the Digital NWT team, a digital literacy education project that's designed specifically for Northern communities in Canada. Full disclosure, I've had the honor of working on this project as part of the curriculum development team for just over a year now. So with that said, I'll be turning over the mic to Timothy and Dan for some informative and inspiring interviews, enjoy.
1: This is Timothy Arthur and I have the pleasure to be joined in a call by Michael McNally. He's an associate professor at the University of Alberta School of Library and Information Studies and a curriculum developer for the Digital NWT project. And as of today, he also has the very rare distinction of being a two time Shout for Libraries guest. So welcome back to the show, Michael.
2: Thank you, Timothy.
1: So first of all, tell us a little bit about Digital NWT how did it all get started, and what is it about?
2: So Digital NWT is a multi-partner project that's involved in delivering digital literacy resources to communities across the Northwest Territories. So the, there are actually several groups involved, and the project is led by four Indigenous governments that form the Steering Committee. So that's the Gwich'in Tribal Council, the Inuvialuit Regional Corporation, the Satu Renewable Resources Board, and the Tlicho Government. And these organizations partner with hands-on media education smart community society in the northwest territories aurora college and the university of alberta to deliver a range of in-person and now some in some cases remote resources to that aim at building digital capacity in communities across the territory and we're hoping to over the course of the project reach uh, 32 of the 33 communities the only community we aren't targeting is yellowknife and the project itself is a, a project on the Makeway Canada shared platform and it's funded by innovation science and economic development through their digital literacy exchange program. So how this all came about uh, was there was work that was done in 2018 and 2019 by a group of us uh, here at the University of Alberta in partnership with the Gwich'in Tribal Council to deliver uh, a series of two-day hands-on digital literacy workshops and we did those in three communities in 2018. Tetley Jay. Uh, Aklavik and Inuvik and that work in fact was preceded even by a one day digital literacy workshop in Inuvik in 2017 that was facilitated by Rob McMahon who's now in the Faculty of Arts and Hannah Pierce who was a Masters in Arts in Communications and Technology student at the time. So there has been, you know, over time, a period of relationship building and expansion in terms of, you know, what uh, the volume of the the content is and what the focus is. And so, you know, the the first one day uh, pilot that was done in 2017 by Rob and Hannah raised the need we we need a two day workshop, uh, the Quichin tribal council suggested, and we needed in uh, three of the four Quichin communities. So we were able to to do that in 2018. And then with the combination of the funding uh, opportunity from the government, the digital literacy exchange program, Uh, and bringing in new partners, we were able to now have a model where we can try to reach communities across the Northwest Territories. It's a multi-year project going from 2019, will funding uh, will end in 2022, and we're we're starting to think about what might happen thereafter. But over the course of the the project, we're aiming to develop and deliver uh, at least three 12-hour workshops, um, one each year in uh, in each of the communities, along with tailoring those, the big challenge, of course, is uh, delivering an in person workshop got very difficult as about uh, March of last year. So we've been adapting to that as well. Um, and it's created uh, some really interesting challenges in working in, in delivering digital literacy to communities where there's you know, a low level of digital adoption. There's not a, a ton of digital devices necessarily. And certainly, internet connectivity is a big issue as well. But uh, because we have so many partners, we've been able to try and Uh, adapt and adjust and find out solutions that work in uh, in various contexts.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because I was going to ask you just that about how, you know, there's this difficulty that I would expect would come about trying to deliver by digital means, you know, digital literacy training.
2: Yeah, so um, you know, we the the first course, it, which ran in communities in the winter time, and then winter time is the ideal time to teach these communities, uh, teach in these communities because people are out on the land uh, when it is warmer out. So we we try and run the courses in a January to uh, March window. So course one ran in uh, in many communities largely without issue. And then, of course, uh, we got a few communities that got shut down in, in March because of the the pandemic last year. And then we had to redesign, start redesigning materials. And so uh, the easiest approach was, you know, switch to instructional video. Uh, of course, you know, we, we can't deliver this video over the internet. So uh, I have uh, about a thousand USB sticks over time have passed through my hands copying, uh, you know, sets of videos on. Uh, Video, of course, is a challenging medium to work with. It's a lot slower to produce. It's a lot harder to edit. So what was a a more than 12-hour workshop for course one, I got concentrated down to about an hour and 45 minutes to video. And even then we had to make important decisions. So one of the, the kind of opening introductory pieces was about digital devices themselves for people who are new to computers. And we've done surveys in some of the communities. We know that access to digital devices is a is a challenge in many of these communities and we are because of the smart community society partnership able to give everyone who takes our courses a free computer but uh we kind of made the decision that you can't mail people a computer and a usb stick and in, who's never had a digital device before and expect them to to make sense of it and use it uh, so we focused some of the the remote uh elements in course one on some of the more advanced topics and kind of said, you know, well, hopefully we'll, we'll target people who already have digital devices or who have some experience with digital devices. They may not own one. And, uh, and so that was a good adjustment. And now over the course of the last several months, we've seen uh, limited opportunities to teach in person in communities across the Northwest territories. In fact, the territory has done a really excellent job on their, uh, their pandemic management. And they've seen uh, probably the fewest cases I think of, uh, of any region in Canada. So we're now able to, to offer a small amount of in-person instruction. And so that's uh, you know facilitated by Aurora College and their community adult educators. They're in the communities and they're the ones who teach the material. Uh, University of Alberta is primarily involved in the development and some of the implementation decisions but we're not the ones who are actually on the ground uh, teaching in the communities.
1: Right. So this is a huge and multifaceted project, obviously. Um, so what exactly is your role in all this?
2: So uh, so my role is, is really in around the curriculum development, but I'll speak just a, a little bit so you get a sense of some of the other elements involved. So the, the project, uh, of course, is, has a fundamental emphasis on capacity building and advocacy. So uh, one of the things that the project was most recently involved in was the Canadian uh, Radio Television and Telecommunications Commission the CRTC was doing a uh, hearing into you know Northwestel and services particularly in the Northwest Territories so as part of the project we organized a series of sharing circles and really tried to get northerners voices to participate and so uh, the project itself made a substantive submission talking about you know, people paying $3,000 a month for internet in, uh, in data overages mm-hmm. and getting you know individual members to uh, to make their own submissions to the CRTC. So that's one aspect of the, the kind of capacity building and advocacy piece. There's also a, a research element to it as well. Uh, my work is primarily on the curriculum development side. And so we are responsible for building uh, in person workshops but we've added some remote video work to that as well and a real range of of, of digital literacy topics and we do start with, with very introductory pieces you know what what are the differences among digital devices? Basic uh, descriptions around the internet, social media and applications, a lot of concern around uh, online scams in, in communities across the Northwest Territories. That's something we found in the when we were talking to people and surveying. Uh, some of the feedback we've had from our adult educators, the community partners. And so we've built uh, resources there. In the second course, we, uh, we actually have a hands-on community-based mapping activity where people take a map of their community and we've got uh, some 3D printed pieces, some cardboard pieces, because we couldn't print everything in 3D uh, for this this iteration. But uh, and people use Yarn, in fact, to build uh, their own community network and kind of plan it out. And now, as we start to think about the third course, we're looking at topics that are, um, you know, digital storytelling workshops, uh, core content related to protecting indigenous knowledges. And we'll even potentially have a few communities where we are rolling out small scale wireless community mesh networks. So we go all the way from people who perhaps never uh, used a computer, there's a slide with where's the space bar, uh, all the way to potentially building a small scale wireless network in a community on a kind of pilot uh, type basis.
1: So you're talking a lot about um, digital literacy which is an interesting term. I, we usually think about literacy in terms of reading, right? So, what does this mean in, in a digital context? Are you, are you reading more the digital content or sort of the tools themselves?
2: Digital digital literacy is a is an expansive concept, and it's it's certainly one. You know, coming from an, an LIS background, uh, many people would be familiar with information literacy. Uh, I teach the instructional practices course here, so I, I'm fairly familiar with you know the discussion around you know how to define that. And there's of course the giant machinery of the uh, Association for uh, College and Research Libraries (ACRL) and their you know standards and framework for information literacy and standardized definitions. Uh, digital literacy is, lacks that kind of uh, unifying uh, or single definition, uh, but the, in the work that I've been involved with, uh, and you know. Rob McMahon is the uh, the PI on the project uh, from the University of Alberta. He as well has been involved in uh, digital literacy and broadband projects uh, well preceding this project, uh, you know. But we both come to uh, to recognize that it's it's in one part it's about the technologies, in one part it's about the skills. Uh, it's also about the ability to understand and advocate. And it's not just an individual capacity or an individual literacy; it's a community literacy as well. So something like uh, you know, developing uh, a community broadband plan uh, is a digital literacy skill that we would like to, uh, to try and enable people to have if they choose. Uh, we always want to reflect that, you know, each one of these uh, 32 communities is, is very unique. Uh, you know, certainly they're in a, a northern context. Um, and, you know, what digital technologies are best suited uh, for, you know, individual and community use there is up to the community to decide.
1: Right. So what does it look like then, sort of the process of tailoring a workshop or, or something like that to each individual community? Uh,
2: we work primarily in, in consultation with the steering committee who has uh, you know, general oversight uh, on the project, uh, as well as with Aurora College in particular. And uh, there's an implementation team on the project that really brings together the key stakeholders And, you know, the adult educators themselves have a lot of agency in determining, uh, you know, how the material will be developed. So for that first course that we, you know, those four big modules, devices, internet, social media, and being proactive online, there is more content than can be delivered in a 12 hour workshop. And the instructors are able to choose kind of a la carte uh, what subjects and topics they want to focus on. And that can be done in consultation with their own learners. Uh, These are, you know, many of the communities are small 500 people communities people know each other and uh, therefore we encourage the the adult educators you know develop what works for your community it's not a you know here's 12 hours and read the script and then you're done uh now the second course we've had a little bit of uh you know challenges moving from a remote delivery and then now back to a bit of a hybrid delivery uh but even for that third course uh, instructors will be Uh, choosing one of those main subjects and that they will teach that in their community. So we allow some of the tailoring that way. Uh, We of course have uh, partners across the Northwest Territory as well. Uh, We have many uh, students who are uh, also Northern themselves and bring their perspective into the project as well. Uh, So we really, you know, we're trying to uh, as much as possible uh, listen and reflect what we're hearing from the communities in terms of what their needs are.
1: Right. And one of the guiding ideas about how you do this is to use, what you call a train the trainer approach. Could you explain how that works into all this?
2: Yes, so one of the the key elements of this project is uh, is a train the trainer approach where uh, University of Alberta and partnership with some of the other curriculum uh, team members such as hands-on media education, we develop the curriculum, uh, but we don't do the teaching. We kind of aim to train the community adult educators from Aurora College and hopefully over the course of the project, potentially community members as well. Uh, I remember when we were early on into the project, the idea was you might have someone who takes course one as a student the first year around, and maybe two or three years down the line, they're actually the instructor of course one. Uh, Now, of course, I mean, the pandemic has has challenged some of uh, what were some of the original uh, envisions of how we would run face-to-face courses. Uh, But the kind of emphasis is on leaving capacity in the communities. So we want to be able to enable, whether it's an Aurora College adult educator or other community partner, to be able to teach and, uh, and maintain the resources. Everything we're producing is openly licensed, so it can be adapted uh, and changed and, uh, and, you know, tailored for specific contexts and potentially used elsewhere. In fact, uh, we're we've got a colleague who will be delivering a workshop in Dawson City in the Yukon. So there's some digital NWT materials now uh, shifting a little bit uh, to the east or to the west there.
1: All right, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today and good luck with the rest of the project.
2: Well, thank you very much. We've got great partners across the project and there's a really, uh, you know, a lot of interest in this in uh, in the Northwest Territory in terms of how to, uh, you know, leverage some of these technologies and, and learning materials to uh, improve uh, the digital environment for everyone.
3: Hi, today I'm lucky enough to be talking with JC Firth Hagen and Kyle Napier working with Digital NWT.
4: Uh, uh, about uh, internet connectivity and digital NWT. So my name is Carl Napier and I'm originally from uh, Denende, Danende, um, commonly referred to as Northwest Territories and I'm working with digital NWT previously as a videographer and now as the uh, communications uh, coordinator and I'm here with uh, JC who's also with uh, working with digital NWT.
5: Good morning, my friends. My name is JC. I'm born, raised, and currently living in Anuvik, Northwest Territories, or Denende. I'm proudly Guchin. Thank you for this opportunity. My heart is happy. Over a year ago, I was hired under the project as a university student, reading documents, taking notes, etc. And now I help with social media and create digital literacy videos. see, Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for sitting down to chat about your work. I think, given the nature of what we'll be talking about, that I should mention that this recording was made using online video conferencing software, due at least in part to the ongoing pandemic. By now, people are well familiar with the necessity of this kind of infrastructure in our daily lives. So with that being said, can you talk a little about the state of digital information and communications technology infrastructure in the North?
5: Yeah, so um, living in Anube, a small northern, less remote community, we have a highway, we have, we're able to leave by plane, but most of the time I'm currently using like my data to do work. I also have Wi-Fi, but um, I've spoken to a lot of community members around town about the Wi-Fi, and then I just hear a lot. It's really expensive. The recently there has been unlimited internet, and is also like very expensive. And I've worked here for this in the summertime, and I also use my data. So I'm really grateful that I'm able to at least use that. But as for the internet um, and the data, I myself personally have not had a whole lot of issues. And then uh, across the Northwest Territories, it really varies. Some communities don't have a whole lot of connectivity, even in Yellowknife, where I've also lived the capital of the NWT, I really actually struggled with internet and connectivity there. And I believe that our tests and work that have been done with digital NWT has shown that time's lack of infrastructure for digital connectivity.
4: Absolutely. Also coming from you know the the southern end of of or of Northwest Territories in, in Fort Smith, where um, there are is increased connectivity Um, you're still you know that's where I'm from Um, there are still issues of of immense issues with costs affordability access um, trying to get a service technician it's not just uh, the internet or digital connectivity but the tools um, you know to create and to participate Um, so in some ways like you know communities are really far ahead in terms of their their skill building like there's actually there's a there's a lot of musicians there's a lot of um you know, digital creators, there's a lot of movie makers and videographers. There's people like JC and and myself who are using um, social media to to support indigenous language revitalization. And so, you know, that divide, um, literally the digital divide is, uh, is no is is just so much more apparent now, particularly as you're saying, um, with uh, you know, mandated distance, right? As soon as, through COVID, right? So as soon as you're um, you know put in a situation where you have to participate and communicate digitally, um, then it, it it really it really illustrates just how bad those issues are. So like it's not unheard of to have have thousand dollar internet bills. Um, for each household in each month. And as JC's saying, you know, having to connect and hotspot your own phone because it has better connectivity than um, than your server. Like it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it's been that way for a long time. Um, so the issues that come with that um, mean, you know not being able to participate in a global conversation not being able to participate in telehealth, teleeducation. education um, you know, uh, there there are situations where not only are there, are there you know internet outages, but you know power outages across communities that last several days. So it's not just the internet, um, but, but a lot of issues. So, um, so what does that mean, right? To not participate? Well, you you see examples like hashtag seal fee where, you know, people like, people like Ellen and a lot of the you know, Greenpeace and whoever were, were very much against the seal hunt. Well, you know, then, then you have situations in in, in Nunavut where, where there you, or, or Northwest, you know, w- way up in the Arctic and in, in Inuit Nanangat, um, you know, Inuit homelands where uh, they they start, you know, taking and showing, you know, their, their respect for the seal and wearing the seal and participating in the hunt. So you have hashtag seal fees where people are being able to say, you know, hey, back off, this is the way we've lived for thousands of years, you know? And so that's just one community example. Um, but so it's, it's, it's not just connection to the internet, but, but digital literacy. Um, but speaking specifically about, about the internet, um, we, we, have, uh, we have a campaign, hashtag NDBT digital divide. Um, which as Stacy was saying, um, we have partnered with CIRA and have made submissions to the CRTC. Um, and so the difference here is CIRA, um, the Canadian Internet Registration Authority, um, partnered with us to develop a, a speed test for communities to assess their, their upload and download speeds. Um, fairly simple, fairly easy. Um, so you, you see like communities where I'm from, Fort Smith or, or Yellowknife or Inuvik, um, you know, have uh, have better connectivity, um, and and hey, River, I should also I should also include those are the four most populous. Um, I mean, Yellowknife's the only city; the rest are, are towns of about thirty-five hundred people, and so they have they have better than than average internet across the Northwest Territories, but um, that's not really saying much because most communities, if you look at the seer speeds, you get you get sometimes averages of, of um, you know. megabytes per second, like it's ridiculous. Some communities aren't even able to take the low bandwidth version of the CIRA test. Now here's where that's a real consequence. Um, So as I said, there's the CIRA test and the CRTC submission. So the CRTC submission is informed by the speed results of the CIRA test. So um, if communities are not even able to assess their speed, well, CRTC is not able to quantify that data and they're not able to act on it. So we at Digital NWT have made um, a a contribution to the CRTC as part of our mandate, right? Um, uh, And one of the many things we do in terms of addressing the the digital divide. So we took qualitative data along with quantitative data and made a CRTC submission. Um, And so in that submission, um, we we address what we're doing uh, to work with communities, which is also like you're saying, um, digital literacy, and uh, and also uh, we're featuring uh, digital innovators. We have we have three campaigns here. <laughs> they are hashtag NWT Digital Divide, hashtag NWT Digital Literacy, and hashtag NWT Digital Innovators. And so JC was featured as a digital innovator for her work with Speak Rich and to Me. And so in each of these campaigns uh, and, and the digital innovators campaign, we're speaking to people who are who are um, using the internet and digital technologies in, an, in incredibly innovative ways. So, you know, some people are, are, are 3D modelers, are, are world builders, virtual reality artists. There are um, people that are setting up their own ICTs across communities. Um, and the majority of people that we're featuring, I think uh, only one person we featured so far is, is non-indigenous. And the reason why is, you know, communities like Yellowknife and Hay River and Inuvik and Fort Smith have better access to um, the internet and uh, and digital tools and technologies. Um, so, what we're realizing with the NWT Digital Divide campaign is it's predominantly communities outside of that. It's smaller communities, and those smaller communities are predominantly indigenous. And so um, that's that's why it's it's especially important to consider, you know, uh, the 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 audience in these um, in the, in these campaigns.
3: Thanks for setting that context, and you described the problem of the lack of infrastructure so well. Something that I found fascinating because I was reading the Footprints in New Snow report from the Nunavut Implementation Commission last semester. And I found it remarkable because it was written in 1995, well before the culture had accepted the primacy of place that the internet was going to occupy and its importance. And I realized that Nunavut is a different community uh, than NWT but the commission, they were well aware of the implications and they had this incredibly firm grasp and realistic outlook on the importance of digital ICT to the North um, and to the world in general. And from what I understand, this was true of many Northern elders. So my question, I guess, is if the communities in the Arctic did have such a good idea of where things were headed, could you speak to why the North still has to play catch up with respect to this infrastructure?
4: That's a that's a really good point to um, ensure that Nunavut, which is which is a territory and and um, and I, I would argue is, is actually a bit in its own way uh, more advanced than some of the communities I've seen in, in, in the Northwest Territories. So despite having re- further restricted access in more communities in Nunavut, um, they have been able to assert sovereignty over um, how they use these tools. So we're seeing actually incredible innovation um, Come out of, with, with digital technologies in, in Nunavut. and uh, and and because of that, um, like you're saying, they have a strong grasp over how those tools would be adopted and used. Um, I'm, I'm also going to say that uh, uh, that you know um, Inuit in the region have also a like, are, there, there's a much a much stronger fluency in Inubut. Um and because of that, there's a different way of thinking. And so, um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not from Nunavut, but I have I have relations there and have been there um, have been there twice and 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 all of that. And so, you know, there, there there is connectivity, and people are using it in their own ways. And what I found very interesting is um, that it's it's mostly in uh, in inuktitut or building resources for um, for Inuit in the region. So like their their auton- the autonomy there is is just is just fantastic the technological autonomy right um, now an example that uh, you know this is this is digital NBT so it isn't really our mandate to talk about Nunavut so this is a bit out of my <laughs> you know uh, I, I, but but we do have to look across the territories right what are the what are the parallels and similarities um, and and what are people dealing with so last October the government of Nunavut faced uh, a, a substantial um Lack of access to their, their connectivity. What happened was there was a I think it was a phishing uh, scam or something, and and it locked all of the computers. So it was like malware that um, one person downloaded the wrong thing and infected all the you know all the computers, and they had to pay. They were threatened to pay some odd ransom in Bitcoin. So um, that situation stretched for several weeks, and um, in those weeks there were no communications by phone, internet, um, email, uh, or sorry, sorry, the only way to communicate was by, was by phone, uh, phone voicemail, and, and, and fax, um, and in person, this is pre-COVID, but could you imagine this during COVID, phone voicemail and fax, okay, so that means um, the judiciary is shut down, that means, um, right, the medical health records are lost, that means, um, government services, administrative services, anything connected to a computer is, is locked down, right? Um, so all it takes is one person to, to, um, to download the wrong file or whatever, right? You know, someone shares a, a, a link and it says, hey, this is my family and it's not whatever. So that happens. And that's why digital literacy is so important. Um, and, and that's why, you know, having, having also just faced that recently, um, I, I, I'm, I'm well aware that, uh, that anyone who's connected to the government of Nunavut Um, and, and, you know, Inuit in the region would, would be, um, just well aware of the consequences of, okay, what happens when all of that's lost, right? And so there's, there's a lot of, of, of various factors they're dealing with. Now to bring that back to Northwest territories, um, I think we should heed that as a lesson. Um, and I also think that there's a lot of different, um, government overlap in the Northwest territories. So that's what sets the difference. Now, your other half of your question, um, was, you know, why, why is it taking so long? Well, um, so, so, okay, let's, let's um, talk about kind of lessons learned across the territories um, first, which are, um, you know, that it's important to have a, a autonomy over, um, over your own story and over your own creation, um, over your own words, over your own community narrative, right? Um, so um, JC and I grew up not having video games in our language, not having apps in our language, not having representative, you um, you know, culture or media um, that speaks to us, right? Publicly. Um, I mean, in our communities, yeah. um, But, you know, that's the difference in being able to create your own media with digital technologies. And that's the importance of digital literacy. So, you know, technologies aren't new to us um, as indigenous peoples uh, in Denende. But, um, because technologies have been in this region for as as, as long as people have been in the region. Um, which depends on on who you ask, but I'm going to say it's it's in the hundreds of thousands of years for sure, like <laughs> you know, going up and down with the ice age. So um, so anyway, um, technologies are not new to us. Digital technologies, however, are new to everyone. Everyone's embarking on this journey together. This is within living memory of you know oldest people right now, right? So um, so as long as it's new to all of us, how are we? independently and, and in our own different communities going to use that differently. Now, the difference between Northwest Territories and Nunavut is that Northwest Territories has multiple different layers of governments. So in one community, you might have five different governments. Um, and so the communities and individuals and those governments are all going to use um, digital literacy and technologies differently. Well, that doesn't answer the question of um, internet connectivity. And so why is that still a problem? And that's a really good question, Daniel. Um, so the reason that's still a problem, um, it's a multitudinal answer. Um, it, it's because there aren't enough people in the territories for um, Southern bureaucratic Canada to, to really push for that mandate. Um, it's very, very expensive. And it does. Require upkeep, and there's long distances you have to travel, and so right, a cut in the line is going to sever internet for days in a community. I've, 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 um, days or weeks, right, in a community that's not unheard of. Um, so the problem is, right, having a situation where you're dependent on digital connectivity and communications, and now when that happens, um, then there's virtually no, no access of, of, of communication in that community, right? The internet's gone. And you can't go door to door. What's going to happen? Well, that's just one consequence. So anyway, right? So so not enough people is another thing for, for southern bureaucratic Canada to. I mean, I mean, people are making a difference, right? CRTC and SIRA are are making a difference. Um, and so they're they're trying, but what they need is data. And so, in order to effectively make a change, CRTC needs data. And so, in, in the last time CRTC did a call for public consultations, that was in 2016, and uh, and I'm willing to say that at that time, um, the the public of the Northwest Territories did not um, necessarily respond in such a way um, to to the CRTC's public consultation to be to address why it's such an issue, not only. Um, because they couldn't have heard about it because digital in- connectivity is so low. Um, but also, you know, it's a bit of an intimidating um, process. So as part of our digital literacy campaign um, and in facing CRTC's recent uh, call for public consultations, we, um, and JC uh, developed um, videos, instructional videos for like, here's how you take the, the you know, the CIRA test. Um, here's how you'll make a CRTC submission. Um, and, and the CRTC submission, I, I should say, was developed by MIRAT in, uh, in, in Northwest Territories and the Zero one one was developed by, by JC. Um, and we really kind of made it as easy as possible. Now, <laughs> not everyone can watch the videos, right? If connectivity is that low, right? How are you going to use the videos? How are you going to even be on um, Facebook enough to, to see that it's it's uh, that they're doing a public consultation? Like no one's putting posters in the communities. And it's not the fault of CRTC. Um, but we... but. Um, as part of our mandate, we definitely raised awareness over like this is the op- this is your chance, right? And so um, the last time uh, that the CRTC did a call for public consultations uh, in 2016, the end, the, what happened was um, internet access became a human, um, sorry, a, a, a public a public utility. I, I think I, I want to say human right, but that isn't their phrasing. <laughs> but essentially, their mandate um, and their goal. Uh, uh, I, I believe it's now 50 megabytes per second, something like that is what they're, is what they're aiming for. Fantastic. So um, so uh, that's what happened the last time they did the consultations. Now there wasn't as much participation in the Northern Territories as there should have been um, because how would they have heard about it? I didn't hear about it. And I worked with technologies and I worked with technologies in Denende, like in Northwest Territories at the time then. So, um, so having not heard about it then, um, I, I imagine that most people hadn't. So we went on just a massive campaign to share as much as we could. And uh, if you couldn't make the CRTC submission, that's fine. Take the SEER test and take this. You know, there's still time to take the SEER test. We're not. We're not done. We're still gathering data. I mean, I mean, uh, and I and I hate to use the word data, but that's what it is when you're gathering these these quantitative stuff. So, um, so so they need data. Um, and now now you're looking at um you know challenges and, and, and still like like you're saying why is it still not um operative functional why is it still not working well enough uh that, it, that it's that it's a household issue and you know you do have uh, environmental conditions you have massive costs to run them through um and there should be a competition towards access that's what i'd like to see and and that's not what i'm seeing yeah, I hope, I hope that in some way answers your questions. But there's still partnerships. I mean, uh, in, in Inuvik two years ago, it was the, um, there was the Digital Connectivity Summit, which is an international um, internet connectivity summit. So there, there are people proposing um, local solutions. And, uh, and that's what matters. And that's what needs to happen because what has been happening hasn't been working.
0: Thanks for tuning in. And be sure to catch us here next month for the remainder of Dan's interview with JC and Kyle. You'll also get to hear from Jessie Carell, who I've had the pleasure of working with on the Digital NWT project as well, all about her company, Hands on Media Education, and the power of digital storytelling. Follow us on our Facebook page or Instagram at Shout for Libraries or on Twitter at Shout the number four libraries. You can find all our past episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Want to have your own voice heard on Shout? We're always looking for new full time and part time contributors to join our team. Get in touch at newscjsr.com at to find out more. And don't forget to check it out.